1: I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif, and Happy New Year. Good morning, Tina. Happy New Year and Happy New Decade. Happy New Decade. So let's take out that crystal ball and what does it look like in terms of real estate as we head into a new decade?
2: You know, Tina, if if you were to asked somebody maybe in 2010, 2011, and asked what the average price would be in York Region or Toronto as a whole. I don't think there's anyone that would have said the average price would hover around a million dollars. So it's been an incredible decade for housing in Toronto, not only Toronto, but York Region specifically. And
1: those prices have continued to go up. It's a little bit Unnerving for someone trying to get into the market, don't you think? It really is. And, you know, if you think about what
2: you can afford, I mean, you know, back in the day when I bought my first house and it was, you know, $200,000, I thought, wow, $200,000, that's a huge investment. People getting into a house for the first time right now, they're paying four times that, five times that. That's a huge uh, you know, investment and, and that's a lot for someone,
1: especially a young family to be taking on, but they are it sure is and across the province you want to talk specifically about what it looks like here in Ontario and maybe drill down to Toronto the GTA and York region as well yeah i mean in in
2: Toronto what you're tr- what you're seeing now is uh, you know consistent price growth so we're not seeing the the price growth that we had in 2016 or 17 which was 15% 20% a healthy price appreciation for any region should be in the single digits and and now that's what you're seeing you're seeing very conservative price growth between three and six percent. And that's been normal. And, and that's how the Toronto region as a whole has grown in terms of the housing market since the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So, since that recession that we had back in 89, 90, it, we've been very steady at, at you know, a six percent price growth.
1: Now we hear a lot of talk as well about that bubble and in terms of that price increase and the housing bubble what does it all mean? You know, we don't have when when you're
2: talking about the uh, housing bubble that they've talked about for the last, you know, decade there's no catalyst for a housing bubble. And although the government has stepped in and tried to, you know, throttle demand and and just try to make it harder for people to buy, what they didn't address was the main issue which was supply. And until you have a significant increase in supply you have you don't have that catalyst that's going to affect the housing market you don't have huge job losses you don't have high interest rates i mean we look at interest rates now hitting 3.5% or 3.6% and say wow that's high but that's not high when i bought my first house we were looking at 8% or so and, and we thought that was high and it started to come back but like our, our parents, for instance, they they were paying eighteen percent, nineteen percent interest sure. rates, and until the interest rates hit, you know, the eight, ten, twelve, fourteen percent, it's not going to affect the market at all because it's, you know, the the increases that we're seeing right now might cost you an extra fifty dollars or an extra seventy five dollars, and and some of our listeners are thinking, well, that's a lot of money. That's because we are extending ourselves so much for these houses right now. And if we were to step outside a little bit outside of the Toronto area and look to some of the 905 or 519 suburbs, 705, now you're getting into that affordability factor. I mean, the average price in Ontario is $766,000. And with transit... You know, Go Transit increasing their routes and and Viva everyone increasing their routes and and making lanes that make it easier to commute. It's a lot more affordable for people to live outside
1: in these suburbs and still commute to the city for their jobs. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. If you were to describe the last year, the last decade, and then looking into 2020 what are those words that would describe those different times so let's just take the last 10 years for example how would you characterize it
2: i would characterize that as massive growth okay. and and by that i mean look at how far housing has come in those 10 years it, it's still the most uh you know stable investment i mean you're you're going to be increasing your equity as you go year after year and There's there's not a lot of speculation happening in the Toronto area. There in the condo market, there was for a few years last decade, but now people are buying these to live in. And you know, even with our rental market being short on properties, we need people to we need investors to step up and buy these properties so that there's people other people have places to live. If you look at last year, it was a great bounce back year. Okay. So if we're talking massive growth for the decade, last year would be a bounce back year because of all the intervention that took place from the government, trying to slow down growth, trying to stabilize price. But it didn't really do that. They never addressed the supply issue. And until we address the supply issue, we're going to continue to see, we're going to get back into that massive growth phase. And it's going to start in 2020. So looking forward, from 2020 to 2022, 2023, you're going to see that massive growth base come back because we're not increasing supply as much as we need to.
1: And what about what's your advice then to those who think, you know, maybe I can't get into this market, I've got to continue to rent. What's your advice to them?
2: The, the advice is if you look at what happened over the last 10 years and just use the last 10 years as a, a learning tool. You've got to get into the market right away because in the next 10 years, that's going to be you. So people that bought in 2010, 2011, you know, look look at where they are right now. And if you buy right now, buy in the next 10 years, that's where you're going to be at. You're going to be right here right now. And it's something that you really need to consider. And if you have to put other purchases off or, you know, Uh, change your lifestyle a little bit just to get into home ownership you got to do that because it is the most stable investment
1: and do you think we're going to see you characterize the last 10 years as massive growth you think we're going to see that again in the next 10?
2: We really are because again until we are able to address the supply issue we don't have a catalyst that's going to wreck the market or cause a bubble or anything like that you know affordability is going to continue to erode but at the same time prices are still going to increase because it's a supply and demand equation.
1: We'll continue the conversation after this break. When we come back, Canada's population growth and the impact on the housing market. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties.
2: Thank you, Tina. Joining us next on the show is Ben Myers with Bullpen Research and Consulting. Ben, welcome. Thanks for having me. And there was a report that uh, you published recently, and it says Canada's population grew by 531,000 people from August 2018 to July 2019. Tell us a little bit about
3: that. Yeah, so I I do a report with a company called Firm Capital, uh, and uh, and I try to you know provide their clients with some information on what's happening in the marketplace and how it's uh you know um its impact on on the housing market. And Statistics Canada data came out showing you know five hundred and thirty one thousand uh, person growth in in the population in Canada, so the largest growth and um, in any uh, any. Mid-year period uh, of all time, so just unbelievable growth, and and, uh, obviously with uh, with that type of uh, of jump in population, it you know definitely has an impact on the housing market.
1: And do we know where the population growth took place primarily, and in what part of uh, the country?
3: I didn't break it down by province, but um I do know that last year Ontario was you know, getting the most, you know, uh most population growth and I think it was something uh along the lines of two hundred and fifty thousand people or two hundred and forty seven thousand people. It was it was a huge number and, and it, even the ten year average was one hundred and fifty thousand uh person growth in Ontario. So to have uh you know such a massive increase it certainly contributed to uh um you know kind of the rebound in the uh in the residential housing market.
2: And you know, Ben, just from a, real, a realtor's perspective, when you've got this many people moving into Ontario and British Columbia, so say it's about 60% of people that come in, move to Toronto and the Vancouver area, that's a lot of pressure on housing starts. And, and that's, that just means we need that much more in housing starts to be able to house all of these people.
3: Yeah, I mean, in that same report, I I quoted uh, a report put out by RBC, and uh, they were trying to figure out. You know what's happening in in the rental market and you know obviously we've seen that the new mortgage stress test has you know caused a lot of people to not be able to afford uh uh to buy the home that uh, that they want um and and other people that you know maybe they can qualify but it's not really the home that they, they're really dreaming about so they're going to save it a little bit longer so it's put a lot of pressure on the rental market and, and rbc had concluded that in uh in the Toronto CMA area, they need another nine thousand one hundred vacant units just to get to a three percent vacancy rate. And a three percent vacancy rate is typically a three to four percent is is kind of a balanced market. So anything above four you'd see rents go down and below three you see rents go up. So so it just it just shows you how much more supply that we would need uh on the rental market just to just to hit balanced market territory. And so they said moving forward you know, we need twenty-two thousand new, you know, rented apartments, either you know condos that are leased out by private investors or or purpose-built uh, rental apartments. So uh, we're we're not going to get anywhere close to that in in the, in the four-year uh, four-year time frame, uh, unless these uh, you know some of these builders uh, <laughs> get get going a little bit quicker than they have in the past.
2: And it really is a supply and demand equation. I mean, we've been saying for the last few years we need more supply in terms of housing in order for affordability to return somewhat to the landscape and by having all of these people come in and they say you know new immigrants aspire to own a, own a home in you know Canada within 3 to 5 years so if all of these people are coming in and their dream is to buy a home and they this is what they've come here this is what they're working for that puts a lot of extra pressure on supply and in terms demand and that's where we're seeing you know, multiple offers, and as inventory starts to decline, there's, there's so many people waiting to buy a house. They're sitting on the fence waiting to buy a house. Unless we have a, a huge injection of supply, this trend is going to continue in terms of rents going up, house prices going up.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the job growth is, is is happening in the in the Greater Toronto Area. Young people that are graduating all over Ontario universities want to want to come to the come to the big city or the you know the Greater Toronto Area and, and kind of pursue their their careers. And there's no better place to to do that than uh, than than the Greater Toronto Area. And uh, and you know, and people will look, they'll drive down the gardener and say, you know, look at all these towers. How could we possibly not be building enough? We're building tons, right? So building a lot doesn't mean you're building enough. You know, we we built more homes in two thousand two than we did in twenty eighteen, right? It was it was those homes were happening in uh you know the far suburban markets. They were happening in South Milton and North Brampton and North uh, Vaughan. Vaughn and obviously it was happening a lot in in New York region and in Markham and and Richmond Hill, Aurora. But um, now that's the. All of those houses are being pushed out East Goulburn, and Bradford, and Georgina, Oxbridge, um, and some of these these farther out areas. But building a lot less of, of those single family homes and more condominiums. Um, uh, but you know, they're not equal. It's not one to one. You know, uh, the, the, the condos are you know seven hundred, eight hundred square feet on average, where you know the single family homes are are, are twice that. So um, so we may be close in terms of total units that we're building but in terms of square footage we're probably building 25 35 percent less square footage a lot less bedrooms as well so so for someone that wants to move up and and have a family there's just not the options out there so they have to go to the resale market and there's these massive uh you know overbidding situations and then we get we get to the you know the the over exuberance that we experienced in 2017 where You know, people are overbidding and people are getting worried that they're going to get, um, you know, priced out of the market. So there, and it causes this bubble. And then now we've, you know, we've seen what's happened in the, uh, you know, kind of the aftermath of of, of that bubble. The only York region is only now recovering from, um, you know, from where it was in, in 2017.
1: So, what are the solutions? How do you alleviate, you know, the high rents and the need for housing? What do we do? I mean, I think
3: that the best way is you have to match supply and demand, and that means that in areas of Toronto where they're trying to protect the low-rise neighborhoods, well, we have to allow more high density, we have to allow more you know high rise buildings so the the latest numbers from from bill is at the um, you know, building industry and land development corporation the the number of high rise sales this year is almost even between you know the nine oh five and the four one six so we are starting to build more uh, of those high rise buildings in uh, in suburban markets um, but the other problem is is you have you know, what's called the NIMBYs. Those not my backyard folks who try to fight these things and say, Hey, you know, I moved out of Toronto and to, to move to, to Richmond Hill or to Aurora to, to get away from high rises. I don't want, I don't want high rises. So they're, you know, and they fight them. And then that's, you know, that obviously causes a problem because we need to house people. And there's only so much, so much raw land that you could build up, you know, two story single family homes on uh you need to you need to go up to be able to house more people so that's that's the only way that it's it's going to ease the the pressure is 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 to build more homes we can we can try foreign buyers' taxes and empty homes taxes and you're know, just really tinkering at the margin um you know the you just gotta you have to have enough houses for the amount of people that that want them all right so uh, and unfortunately, we, uh, the, the politicians react to, um, you know, the, the, the easy people to blame instead of, uh, you know, kind of looking in the mirror and saying, well, you know, maybe I had a part in what's going on here.
2: And the reality is these extra taxes and e- even the, the the new measures to kind of curb how much mortgage you can afford, the stress test uh, these are meant to thwart demand. They have nothing to do with supply and it's not going to solve the problem. They can have three or four other taxes that they think up and put on. It's still not going to solve our supply problem. And when you look at these, there's 85 cranes up in Toronto right now. These buildings don't start building until they're 50 to 70% sold. So the majority of these buildings are already sold out. And, you know, that just emphasizes how much of a problem we have with supply. If all of those are sold out and we're still getting 150,000, 200,000, 250,000 people moving to the GTA within a one-year period, we need to house these people. We need a lot more supply.
3: Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I obviously, a lot of the, the people that are buying these condominiums are, are investors and they plan to to lease these units out. But, you know, downtown land is expensive. It costs a lot to... Uh, you know, to build these things, uh, the, the, the municipalities just continue to add taxes on, on top of and new development charges and, hey, new, new builder, you should build a community center and you should build this and this and this and this and this. this. But that all just gets passed on to the, to the buyer, right? And, Mm And, and, and raises the, uh, the, the cost, uh, the cost of the home. So. We are you know we're in a precarious uh situation that uh you know we're going down the road to the new yorks the bostons the the San franciscos and we're gonna get uh get those types of uh of prices unless we you know we had got to make some type of radical change to to zoning to allow um you know some of these buildings to get uh get built faster and and yeah I'm, I'm not i'm not opposed to some of these taxes that they they've put on to try to curb some of this you know international money coming in or or potential to do an empty homes tax to 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 uh, you know um, so people aren't just keeping you know homes vacant that people could be living in and i'm not opposed to those things but again it goes back to you got to you got to build build the supply to to house those people and not just Expensive luxury downtown condos. Well, we got to you know make a commitment with our tax dollars to build affordable housing, to build social housing, to build rent geared to income, to uh, you know to build the kind of mixed income communities, and, and kind of get away from this uh, you know segregation by by income and, and class, and really try to build a really inclusive communities.
2: Ben, there was a, a report that I read just recently about Kitchener Waterloo approving these small homes on in your backyard you can build it in your backyard and i think it's one bedroom or two bedroom maximum but what are your thoughts on those and and do you see that catching on in the gta
3: oh ah, i mean that's that's amazing right you know we uh you know in toronto they allowed these these ADUs or accessory dwelling units and and uh, laneway homes right so um fortunately it's maybe not happening as fast as is some of the 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 people that were you know um really pushing for it but yeah, I mean, if someone wants to live in a in a tiny home in someone's backyard and and that's uh you know, they want to take the rest of the money that they would have spent on on rent and and use that to uh, for their business or to travel or to you know, that's up to them, right? You know. Um and I think that's a it's a great idea and and, and Toronto should uh should definitely follow suit, right? I don't think it really hurts too many people to, you know, have some of these little tiny homes in in, in backyards and in different spots. It's, it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting.
1: Now you mentioned in your report that co living might be a form of housing that might work for some folks. Do you want to explain to us what that is?
3: Yeah, so there's there's been a few different companies um, that have that have come up with this this idea, and it's essentially just you know you've got a roommate, but it's uh, um, it's it's not someone that you know. You're not going together and say okay, let's let's rent this apartment together. You 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 put your, you're interested in this this, this building and maybe a three uh, a three bedroom townhome, uh, and it's a community of, of three bedroom townhomes, and you put your name into a bucket, and then some of these companies they have they have algorithms, so they they look into the algorithms. I think they'd match up with with Susan. So let's because they have some similar interests. So they you know they put them into a a unit together, and you know if these things are fully furnished. They have they have you know programs to to, to get the um, you know all the tenants involved in meeting each other. So it's really you know communal uh situation, and 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 so you're paying a lot less than you would if you were to go and uh you know try to rent a, a single bedroom. And yeah, so you're sharing a kitchen. You might be. Uh, most of these situations, you're not actually carrying a, a bathroom. So um it's, it's not much different than, than having a roommate, but it allows you a little bit more flexibility of uh, of your, you know, uh, leasing situation. Alike. It doesn't have to align with someone else. You can come in and say, I'm going to sign a one-year lease, and maybe someone else wants to do a two-year lease or three-year lease, right? So uh, you can come in and go, and, and and some of these companies even have different buildings that you can you can um, jump in and out of right Uh, on shorter term leases so yeah so it's a it's really interesting situation and hopefully it uh it takes off
2: you know one of the questions we get ben is from a lot of our clients what are my kids gonna buy what do you see (laughs) happening over the next five years ten years and and what will our kids buy
3: well, they're probably if they want to live in the Greater Toronto Area or southwestern Ontario, they're probably gonna to have to uh get accustomed to much smaller living. All right, you have to you have to think of the the community that you live in. As I live in the community, I'm not, I not I sleep in my my unit. I live in the community. <laughs> right, so that's why a lot of these. You know, downtown condo projects are adding co-living spaces and and family rooms to bring your your kids to with all all the toys and they got the games room, and the theater's room, and the in the fitness center and, and and all these things. So there's additional things within the building that that you can do. You don't necessarily have to do that. All within your own own personal space, so more shared spaces and less you less private spaces, I think that's kind of the wave of the future. We're sharing cars now, right? right we're sharing uh um um uh homes with the with the co living so now we have to you know share all this kind of uh, community space as well so i think that's kind of the future of living in a big city if you want your big house and your your big lot, well there's places that you can move in canada and get that right but if you want to live in the in the big city there's there's some sacrifices you're gonna have to make
2: that's awesome information van and great report if people want a copy of your report how can they get it
3: well, if people want to, you know, read what I, uh, you know, some of the things that I that I, that I do, they can, you know, can always follow me on Twitter at Ben Myers uh, two nine or my company is um, on Twitter at uh, Bullpen Consult or Bullpen Consulting the the website I put some stuff on 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 the blog you know we're starting our own podcast Toronto Under Construction so that's coming out very soon um, and yeah a lot of the articles are in the new condo guide or or, or building magazine. Um, and I, you know, post those all, all through uh, through my website, and I do analysis for Rentals.ca as well. So please, if you're uh, you're a realtor or uh, someone looking to rent 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 units, please list them on Rentals.ca. So it helps me out with uh, doing analysis on the on the rental market.
2: Awesome! Thank you very much.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Stay with us.
0: Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region.
1: Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions, and the first one comes from John in Maple. He has a few more days off and is hoping to check out some neighborhoods and houses for his growing family. Asif, do you think this is a waste of time at this time of year? John, that's a
2: great question and no, it's not a waste of time because you want to know who's in that area. You want to know what type of kids are in that area, what type of families. And at this time, a lot of people are off and the kids are home. So you get to get an entire picture of this neighborhood at any time when you drive by or if you're driving through the streets of the neighborhood. Whereas, you know, if school's on and, and you know, people are away at universities, you're not going to get that true picture. So this is a great time for you to actually stalk the neighborhood and find out who's living there, what the people are like, how they take care of their their houses, their cars. You, you really will get a true picture of the neighborhood.
1: Our next question comes from Lorna in Thornhill. Her parents will be moving into a senior's residence, and she is in charge of selling their longtime family home. Where does she start? Asif, please help
2: first thing lorna is uh, to get a realtor in there and you know we can come in and assess the property tell you what needs to be done uh, you know before you start the listing process after you start the listing process it also depends on when your parents are going to be moving out sometimes there's a, a big attachment to certain things in the home and it's really tough for them to see you start to take those out. So, you know, you want to time it so that it's not a lot of stress for them. It's it's a huge move for them and it is very emotional. So you want to manage emotions as well as prepare the house. So sometimes it's best if they move out and then you start to handle the, the intricacies of getting it ready to list.
1: Now, Lorna said this is their longtime family home. Do you think that uh, they probably have a lot of repairs to do, or maybe updating as well? And is that worth it?
2: You're surprising. Some some older people take care of their homes better than the younger people mm-hmm. do. So it usually is in great repair. Uh, sometimes, if it does need a lot of work, suppose they haven't done a lot of it since the uh, 80s or 90s, then yeah, you would need to look at maybe the furnace, the roof, the the windows. But at the same time, you can always price it to have those uh, items reflected in the price of the home. If you don't want to address all of that, then you know, you just have, have to price the home accordingly and make sure that whoever's coming in is able to take care of that.
1: Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they do that?
2: They can call me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426.
1: Now, just before we go, you have uh, this week's hot listing, and it's a bit of a unique
2: listing this week. It is. You know, as people... Uh, come out of the holidays and they're making new year's resolutions one of the new year's resolutions is hey i'm going to be working for myself mm-hmm. from now on and i'm going to make those moves or decisions to make sure that i'm not working for anyone else anymore i'm going to work for myself so we have a business for sale and the business is the twisted fork restaurant it's that center in maine in mount albert absolutely fabulous location it's it's deemed the largest turnkey, thriving, family-owned restaurant in the heart of Mount Albert. So, you know, it's not a franchise. You don't have to pay franchise fees or anything like that. You walk in. It's established business. They, they're they open six days a week. And it's a license to make money. And it, for the operator, it's going to be hands-on and be there. And, you know, Mount Albert is a small community. So, Where
1: exactly is that?
2: It's in East Wilmberry. Okay. Uh, center in Maine. A great location. And this is a huge opportunity for someone that wants to buy their own job.
1: And if our listeners want more information about this property, where can they get it?
2: They can contact Steve Fleming, and uh, Steve can be reached at 905-478-1101.
1: And that's our first show for this 2020. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan, or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening.